say something. It's like a podcast, but it's a vodcast, so you can listen and watch. It's like news talk or sports talk, but it's life talk, so we can walk the road together. On today's show, JT Olson, author, entrepreneur, and founder of Both Hands, joins us to chat about passion and purpose, even when born from tragedy. Thanks for joining the conversation. Here we go. This is JT and Sarah Olson. <laughs> Hello. Now here's the deal. Well, they don't you. know what they're getting into in this car. So I just thought I'd hop in the car and drive. You I know, know it's okay. really true. JT Olson, author and entrepreneur, is founder of Both Hands. After being orphaned as a child alongside his four siblings, JT went on to start a faith-based nonprofit serving orphans and widows. His powerful story will leave you inspired to be an agent for impact. He and Sarah live in Nashville with their five children. Find JT at BothHands.org and at Give Both Hands on Instagram and Twitter. I really wanted JT to come share about, share his story and really talk mostly about, and this is where we might stop and just chat because it may be easier just to pull in and then we won't. Right. But just to share about... Um, people when you go through hard times that you really can take the stuff in your life that may or may not be good yeah. and it it can still speak into your purpose mm -hmm. and your passion and this is this is JT's book it's called <laughs> sorry the orphan the widow and me and I just love the cover I love the cover I do <laughs> I love it so I think it's so so and just it's so engaging even on the cover and it really it breathes into your story and then the story, like your story personally, and the story of what you're doing right now. And so, JT Olson, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, I love telling the story of both hands, and I, I love I love it because it really does. It it just it just speaks of God's grace, His sovereignty, and and really His love for us. How we can take something yeah. hard, it's, it's difficult. But um, I, I always like to tell the story because um, it, it just. I like to tell from the, how it started, All right. you know, because I was on the board of Bethany Christian Services. I was a, I was just a board member trying to give back to the community. And one year, I was in charge of the, uh, the fundraiser, and I chose to. Okay, do it. so Bethany Christian Services is an adoption. Right. Yes, I was on their board, and my one year, my job was to be in charge of the fundraiser, and I chose okay. to do a golf tournament. You know, where you mail letters out yeah. and say, "Would you sponsor me?" Well, I mailed all my letters out. I had a buddy who I was in a Bible study with. <laughs> he mailed my letter back to me. But he didn't send a check. He just scribbled on my letter. He said, JT, if you told me you were working on a widow's house, I might sponsor you. But you're just golfing. Nice cause, but not my money. Wow. And it hurt my feelings a little bit, you know. But at the same time, I thought, gee, that's, that's a good idea. You know, and, and it just, I mean, I called him a couple days later and we laughed about it and talked about it. And he still didn't give me any money. But, um, I, you know, I, the idea just never left me. Whenever I saw a golf tournament or a 5K or anything like that, I kept asking myself, yeah. if they were working on a widow's house instead of running around a track, or a, would it be more effective? But I couldn't figure out how to put it together. So I'm in church three years later, running a good friend of mine, just hadn't seen him in a couple months. I said, hey, Don, what's up? And he says, I'm adopting four kids from Moldova. Four kids. Yes. I said, what happened? He said, I went over wow. there on a mission with Sweet Sleep where they deliver beds to orphanages. Okay. I fell in love with this little boy, this 11-year-old boy, his name George, and throughout the rest of the week, we were inseparable. And my wife and I mm -hmm. said, let's start the adoption process. Well, we found out in the adoption process, he's got three siblings. Oh, and wow. Don looked at me and he said, we're not going to break the siblings up. Well, when he said that, that made me think about, really, when I was 12, 
1969, we lived on a farm in northeastern Iowa. Yeah. And um, there was five of us kids. And one weekend, I remember in March, my mom and dad left to celebrate their 16th wedding anniversary. And us kids were kind of farmed out to different places. And um, I remember Saturday night, we were being brought home because they were coming home. Mom and dad were coming home. And uh, I'd played in the barn all day. I was dirty. So I had to go in the basement and change. My older brother went upstairs. But I remember sitting on this chair in the basement I'm bending over and lacing my boots and my brother came down the stairs and I looked up at him. I, Your younger brother? My older brother. Your older brother. And I said, I was excited, you know. Uh, I said, are mom and dad home? And he looked at me and he said, mom and dad are dead. JT. Yeah. How old were you? Twelve. Twelve grade. years old. And I looked at him and I said, what? He said, mom and dad are dead. They were killed in a car accident an hour ago. He walked upstairs. He had just found out. How old was your brother? He was 15. How many of you? There's one who was 14, and uh, we had a five-year-old and a three-year-old. My little sister was five and three. Wow. But I remember hitting the floor. I remember that cold cement floor and wailing like any 12-year-old would wail. And uh, the thoughts went through my head. I just remember what it's like to be an orphan. I remember it's like being told those words. I know it's like to to wonder who's going to take care of us. Yeah, and not want to be separated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yeah. and I I know what it's like to wake up the next morning and just really for the first thirty seconds, forty seconds, you're just thinking it was a dream. I bet. And then the next fifteen seconds, you wrestle with everything you've got to make sure it's a dream. Because you want it you to be want a dream. You so bad. Yeah. And then you realize it's not. And I, so I know sorry. that feeling. And, but, and I know that feeling. And I, and I know what it's like. But I also know what it's like to be rescued. Yeah. Because three months before the accident, my mom and dad changed their will. Really? That if anything would happen to them, us five kids would go live with my aunts, with my aunt, my mom's sister and her husband. And they changed their will, vice versa. My aunt and uncle lived in a very nice suburb of Milwaukee called Brookfield. They had three kids of their own, and they took all five of us. Thirty-three. They were thirty-three. They were thirty-three, 33 years, years old. old. How old were your parents? My mom was thirty-seven. My dad was fifty-nine. Do the okay. math on that. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it was. And so it was her younger sister yes. who took all five of us. And how old were their three children? They were in sixth grade, fourth grade, and they had a two-year-old. So you you did this with mm -hmm. them pretty yeah. much. Mm -hmm. yeah. It would be what you would wow. call a kinship adoption. That's amazing. Oh, they're, they're so they're beautiful. Heroes. They're my kidding. heroes. They're they're just amazing. They had just and, started uh, their business three years before. A year a year before they'd started a business, and I mean, so there was all of a sudden their family went from five to ten. Well, and <laughs> so abruptly losing her sister. Oh, and they were. Her, and they were I mean, they were the best heartache. Friends. They were best friends. Boy, that's. Uh, that's brutal. It is hard. And all those years, my aunt really never had time to really grieve it. You know, because she was oh, too busy taking I care of kids. She, she was just, she was making, she had three grieve. shifts of breakfast in the morning for kids. She had the high school shift. She had the junior high kids. Oh, yeah. and she had the, yeah, I mean, it was like, and then. Well, and are they boys? Are, you, are they brothers ahead of you? Two bro two older brothers, yeah. And then wow. there's me. So and then she hit teenagers in the midst of all that. <laughs> true blue. Yes. That would be hard because yes. she really didn't have that. No. Yeah. True and she only teenagers, had girls. Two wow. teenagers, three teenagers who just lost their parents. 
man. <laughs> well, so back to the story with Don. You you got when it. When Don looks at me and says, "We're not going to break up the siblings." <laughs> I'm the just right guy to say yeah, that. Yeah, you are the just right guy. I'm the guy. just right guy. I I'm, love that. The I'm just not gonna, right guy. I'm not going <laughs> to sit there and say, are you sure? I mean, I sat there and I remember so clearly the thought that went through my head. And that was, here's a man who's trusting God in a way that I envy. I want to trust God the way Don is trusting him. Because he's taking four kids and, whew. And I asked him, I said, how much is it going to cost? Yeah, because... That is okay. It, adoption is an expensive endeavor, and uh, did they do that as a group, or did it was it for each child? Each well, child? it was. I mean, There's the whole some. the so whole it was thing. Expensive. Yeah, he said it's going to cost about sixty five thousand. Wow. And I asked him. I said, "Do you know how you're going to raise that money?" He said, "No." And I said, "I think I got an idea." Because it made you think back to the the whole the, the, yeah. the whole golf tournament. Remember, it's for, like okay, yeah. For two three years, that's been seep. That's been marinating mm -hmm. in my mind. Right. I mean, I literally met with three or four businessmen, shared my ideas, and just trying to figure out what to do with it. Yeah. And uh, I at least at first I thought it was to raise money for sonograms and stuff like that. You right. Know, but but and I. And you're like no. So I told Don. So the just right guy at the just right time. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. And Don and I put together a plan. We recruited about 13, 14, 15 other friends. We all mailed letters out saying, would you sponsor me while I work in this widow's house? We got all the supplies that we needed donated, either local merchants or individuals. So we didn't spend any money. Wow. And we spent the day working on our house. And when it was over, we'd raised over $70,000. Wow, isn't that amazing? <laughs> okay, wow, so is you, right. <laughs> you work on the widow's house to raise the money and then the money goes to the adoption. Right, explain that. Really, okay, that's fascinating. Yeah. The widow gets free labor. She gets yeah. loved on. She gets her house fixed up, cleaned up, decluttered, and all the money, a hundred percent of the money, goes towards the cause of the oh adoption. My gosh, and we don't. That's here's so cool. we don't take any money out either. So it's a hundred percent. Hundred percent what they raise because we raise our operations that's expense really on the side. Neat. We do that on the side. Wow. We have friends who support both hands, yeah. so that the families are able to use everything that they raise for their adoption. And so since we started, and that was that first project, that kind of experimental project to see if this thing would work, uh, it was the first one that happened in March of 07. We did another project in April of 08, and it was at the end of that second project where Sarah and I went out to eat after that project, and I was kind of, I was a little bit bubbly, probably, of this going, I was just on fire saying, this is amazing, because what we did was amazing at that house and I remember we put on a new roof in that lady's house and well, I didn't tell who that lady was oh she was the widow of a teacher who taught my son she lost really? her husband in a car accident in November in a car accident was, of all things and he was I mean really like your folks <laughs> I know, that's yeah. right yeah and um so she needed help she needed a new roof and, she, and it was only our second project I mean there's a lot of ways God came together in that project but I remember Climbing up on that roof, carrying shingles up, and working that little gun thing. I put some shingles in, and uh, and uh, uh, the farm but, boy yeah. coming back out. Yeah, really, so but true. I, I know. I stood in that roof and I looked out at that neighborhood. I looked at all those people. There was fifty-two people there helping that day. Fifty-two. I mean, I saw in the front and back the way we transformed her lawn and house was amazing. I looked out. I counted nineteen different cars all parked all over the place I thought what a testament but what it reminded me of mm -hmm. was I remember 
about a month after the accident, going back to when I was 12 now, my little sisters who were five and three moved in immediately with mm -hmm. my aunt and uncle in Milwaukee. Okay. Us three boys stayed on the farm to finish the school year out and also right. to help with the farm because my dad had a brother, Uncle Clifford, who lived with us. Okay. Uncle Clifford was 65. He oh, couldn't farm goodness. by himself. Right. And it was 400 acres. And my dad also had a sister who was a widow. She came in and lived wow. with us. So though she did our cooking and cleaning. Uncle Clifford just kind of helped keep things in order and us three boys went to school and finished the school year out. But I remember about a month after the accident, getting off the bus, it was a beautiful April day. And um, our bus stops about a half mile from the house. It's on a hill, you can see a lot of the farm. And I remember getting off the bus and there were all our neighbors in the fields, plowing our fields, wow. planting our crops. They were taking care of everything, every, what we needed. It was amazing. And um, it's like the Juvics and the. Yeah, there's Bert Juvik, Everett Ellison, Leland Meyer, Bob Grana, Johnny Wolf, Ed Cooper. I remember those farmers. They're Just all. Just everyone stepping in and doing what you <laughs> needed. Yeah, when you're a farm kid, you know whose tractor belongs to who. Oh, I bet that's You know, that's you're true. driving them, you know whose tractor that is. And, and yeah. I, I looked out in the field and I thought, look at all this. This is amazing. But it never left me. And when I stood on that roof of that second project and saw those cars, that's what yeah. made me think about it. I thought, this is living. Yes. This is... Yeah, Sarah, my bride back here, she, she has a way of putting some things. And one thing she I've heard her say many times, God doesn't waste our sorrows. Yeah. He doesn't mm -hmm. waste our tears. And um, he can take something that's hard mm -hmm. and, and turn it into something that's just amazing. How do you get to that point where you let him do that? You know what? Uh, I think it's probably a series of things. I don't know if it's any one thing. It's probably, uh -huh. for me, it was a series of things. It was just the business I was in, I wasn't enjoying it. Um, and this is, I, I thoroughly enjoyed putting on this project. Right. I thought I'm good at this. This is what I want to do. This is more of my gifting. It takes all the, the gifting and skills that I developed for 30 years in the business world, puts them to use in a way that wasn't being put to use before. And, uh, it just, it was clear. And plus I had some people around me that I, I recruited a board of some people who believed in it. Yeah. And they were so supportive and it's just. Well, there's so, a saying, your pain becomes your platform. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Your pain and that's true. becomes your platform. I mean, you would never pick your pain. You'd wish you could escape it, right? If you're right. human at all. But the fact is, God brings it for a reason. He always uses it. Yeah. And it's almost like mm. this, both hands, is what this man was made for. It's what, what it was all leading up to. All of his life was this, both hands. It, yeah. it, you've never met a man more happy in his calling than this one. <laughs> Yeah. And God redeems it. God is in the business of, of restoring the years that the locusts have eaten. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. his specialty. Right. Yeah. So. But we've done, and the, the oh, exciting yeah, thing is that we've done 684 projects now in 42 states. Wow. 684 so in projects. In nine years. years. In nine, nine years. years. That's incredible. I guess 10 years. The first one was in 07. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it yeah, would be 10 we years. But we, we weren't I, am, I am good at that new yeah. 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 <laughs> So 684 projects uh, in 42 states. We've raised $7.9 million for families to use for adoption. Wow, that's insane. And 100% has gone towards that. We don't take anything out. 735, 735 widows have been blessed. And um, 
I think it's 817 kids are no longer orphans. Wow. That's living. That is living. That's living, baby. Mm -hmm. That is amazing. <laughs> so it's amazing what we get to do. I can't believe we get to do this. For me, it was like I was 52 when I started both hands. It was like I was saying, this is what it's all been about. Just mm -hmm. tee it up and swing. Every, everything, all the trainings, everything's right. Just now, I just want you to do what comes natural to you. Wow, that's Tell amazing. the story. That's what I do, and it's fun. It is great. Well, and it was so natural as well. I mean, it all unfolded on the heels of our adoption of Grace. That's right. So you had yeah. you had three kids and almost an four. amazing four kids and even an amazing story as that goes. That is an amazing story. Really and then you had this beautiful Grace enter your life. Beautiful Grace. <laughs> well it's true. She is. Yeah. She's precious. <laughs> and I and I remember and that story it's just there was a there was a point and for me that's one of the one of the, the starting points of, of all this everything with adoption. Now God kind of pricks at your heart and sometimes a little bit harder. Right, right. <laughs> you know, opens up a little bit. But I remember the night it was December 24th, 2001 was my moment because I was uh, headed up. My wife had sent me to the attic to get the stockings to hang by the chimney with care. And um, I went up in that attic. And before this, we had had this discussion for probably two, three years about adoption. I was on the board of Bethany. I was on the board of Bethany because I'm pro-life and I want to do anything I could to, I don't want, like I said, put money where your mouth is right. and do whatever you had to do to help and not just be against it, but to help. Yeah, what are you for? And, um, and so, uh, I, but I, we kind of danced around this adoption issue and I would come home from a meeting and my wife would, I'd say, well, there's a couple of kids just born at the neonatal unit downtown Baptist. And she said, let's go see him. And I'd say, what do you mean? <laughs> we can't afford a deer. We just started a business. We're trying to do this. We haven't taken a salary. Anything we do, if we want to adopt a baby, we're going to have to go into our life savings. Do you want to go into our life savings? And and that, <laughs> that would usually shut her up. And, and then at one it's point. very practical. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's how most guys are. And that's it the guys so that are true. always the last one to join because they're thinking right. money. I, I can't, yeah. we can't afford it. Okay. So, so one time this discussion happened and at one point she said, listen, I got four kids right now and I'll be happy the rest of my life with these four kids. Right. I could take one more. I'll be happy with one more. I can take either one. What I can't take is the yes one day from you and the no one day and the yes and the no and the up and down. So you can talk about adoption with your friends, talk about with anybody else, but stop talking about with me about it. Yeah. So just so you know, us, the kids and I are on board. We'll adopt. When you get on board, let us know. <laughs> and then lo and behold. Oh, well then, and then every night I'm putting the kids to bed and they're yeah. saying prayers and saying, dear God, please let daddy let us adopt. And you know, and I mean. <laughs> you were getting the full cord. Yeah. So, so all that leads up to this Christmas Eve and I'm walking up to the attic and I look around the attic and I see strollers and high chairs and cribs and car seats. And I say, I, the thought hit me, we've got everything we need to raise a child. Yeah. What's wrong with using a life savings to save a life? Oh, that's so beautiful. Well, life savings to save a life. That was my watershed moment. Right. That's when it hit me. I thought, what's important? What's important in life? What's not going to rust? What's not going to burn? What's not going to blow away? Yeah. And it's not an IRA. Mm -hmm. Right. And I walked down the stairs. I told Sarah, I said, we've got everything we need. 
I, I actually I said we got car seats, we got cribs, we got high chairs, and she thought I was about to say it's time for a yard sale. Let's just step out of here. <laughs> and it was just the opposite. Oh, I do, I do. It's like finally get it out of here. Yeah. But I looked at her and said, "We've got everything we need. What's wrong with using a life savings to save a life? We should adopt." And she said, "Are you serious?" I said, "Yeah." There's nothing more natural than one orphan making a way in the world for the next orphan. Yeah. And in God's economy, I feel like the best investments we'll ever make are in people who have no ability to repay us. <laughs> Part of your, your job that you did when you were in college was selling books, which just seems like, I'm just going to tell you, I sold the Waco Tribune Herald newspaper over the telephone, so I kind of get a little yes. bit of what, not door to door, but I did it over the phone, which was probably... A little so, less rejection than oh. someone slamming the door in my face, but it was a brutal job. Um, and I loved how you say this, if you act, that really hit you, if you act enthusiastic, you become enthusiastic. And you said, I realized for the first time in my life that I'm in charge of my attitude, not someone else. What a yeah. difference that made for us all. And so as you apply it to even where you are right now and just encouraging the folks that might be listening to this in whatever place they have found themselves. I, I you, you said it the best way is that we're in charge when we ever give up control of our attitude to somebody or something else. We're basically, I think we're giving into the enemy. And mm -hmm. I, I just, I really think that we're meant, especially as believers to have a, a heart of joy, a heart of, we've been redeemed. I mean, we got a lot to be thankful for. There's yeah. a lot of things to be thankful for when you think about it, even though, and I don't know what it's like to be in some situations that people are in, and I know things are hard, and but you're the one who controls it. Yeah. I, You know, I don't know if, and literally sometimes I have to say out loud, and I've taught my kids this, you know, to sit there and say, repeat after me, I'm alert, alive, friendly, cordial, <laughs> firm, and enthusiastic. I'm alert, alive, friendly, cordial, firm, and enthusiastic. They look in that mirror. It. Come on. Really <laughs> yeah, and look in that mirror, so you good looking thing, don't you ever die. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You I'm know? alert, I'm, I'm alive, a, I'm enthusiastic. I'm alert, alive, friendly, cordial, firm, and enthusiastic. I love that. Did you make that up? Uh, me and another couple guys kind of put that together. Yeah, it's really good. It is. It's <laughs> And it's, you know, it's like, you, hey. do, you do that four or five times in a row, you know what? You You're will gonna, feel better. Yeah. You will feel better. You, you can't. You can't not. That's Just really try it. Good. You can't. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a big believer in, you got to you got to have a good attitude. Well, you both are so sunshiny. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell, and I do think when you find that zone, when you really are doing what you're created to do, there is an element of uh, glowing. And I underlined this too, because Sarah said, oh. well, I did. Because you said to him, JT, you are positively a glow. And I wrote right there, God working through. Because it's true. I see you sit there and think of Moses when he came off the mountain. He was glowing. He yeah. didn't know he was glowing. And he wasn't like, glow, glow. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> no, it was no. purely the Lord yes. working through him. So what a beautiful testimony. What a beautiful testimony to so many things. And so thank you for sharing your story. Oh, you're welcome. It's, it's, it's very humbling. I bet. You know, to think that God could use mm -hmm. someone like me for this and then it's just it's humble okay so on that note my friend Brenda who who does this with me she loves to like give a charge and Dr. Evans sat in that seat and gave us a charge of what to do <laughs> and along those that humbling I can't believe it's not me do you have a charge that you could like 
gifted listeners that might not feel like they could do anything? I I think we're all equipped. I think I was 52 when I started both hands. So it's not like, oh, I was 25 and I knew exactly right. what I was going to do. I mean, there was there was a lot of years. In fact, someone pointed out to me the other day, you were 12 years old when the accident happened. Yeah. And you were 52 mm -hmm. when you started both hands. Wow. It's a 40 year difference. Wow. There's biblical significance to 40 years. Yeah. I was in the desert. I didn't know I was in the desert. I mean, I was working, I was making a living, I was developing skills and stuff, but it was like 52 is when it was like, okay, this is what it was all about. And I just, my encouragement, I got several, but one of them is don't give up. I mean, you may be in a position right now that God is using wherever you're at to mm -hmm. train you, to hone you, to get you ready for something you've got in store that's going to be like right in your sweet spot. Yeah. Right. And it's like God was literally telling me, JT, this is what it's all been about. Just tee it up and swing. Mm -hmm. Just swing. And that's. And I would say this too as the wife. All right. So he's owns this executive search firm and a partner. He's not loving the work he's doing. Mm. He's got this idea. He wants to help widows and orphans. He wants to start a nonprofit. Hello, this is 2008. Right. Think about 2008. What happened financially 2008. Right. Right? It's 2008. And I'm going, honey, babe, we have five kids. Count them. Yeah. Like, health insurance would be lovely. <laughs> and he finally he said, Sarah, I feel like if I wait one more day, it's like I'm being defiant. God's been that mm. clear with me. And I remember thinking, okay, Sarah, when you got married, did you say this man and a house in Brentwood and a Y membership and my kids have nice clothes? Or did you say this man? Mm -hmm. And I thought about it. I said, really? I said, God, just this man. Give me this one man and everything else. But this I want. And so I said, well, sister, he, the, the captain just said the ship is sailing that away. Put on your big girl panties, it's time to go to work. And I went from being a stay-at-home, homeschooling mother of five, went to work at Belmont University mm -hmm. in admissions and then in development. And God had a plan in all mm -hmm. of it. I remember driving down to work my first day in my car. I've got, had just gone to coffee and lunch for my birthday with my friends. I had my little presents on and pictures of my family that I'm going to put on my desk at work. <laughs> oh my and I'm crying. And I bet I'm you are because you're like, at my work. <laughs> yes, my work is my kids. It's back That's there. what I'm It's back there. And I remember crying and just saying, Lord, how can this be in our best interest? I, I mean, I know it's what, what JT wants to do. Is it in Nick's best interest? No. And, you know, and I just went through everybody in the family. I felt like God was nudging my heart. Sarah, there's one more person in the family but you know how a mom is right like you you're never thinking about what's in your best you're just thinking about them. no it's so and true I felt like he was prompting my heart you know Sarah I've got you it, this is for you too it's not just for him and that's what I would say is that when God's in it and his leading is clear it's never for just one he's not mm. gonna do something for one and against the others it's for everybody and he has so blessed that in so many ways that's beautiful not for one and against another, but for everybody. Oh, it's true. But your story, it's just beautiful. Y'all are so cute. <laughs> Thank you. When I think about even mine, as you know, your sister placed me in this beautiful role mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. And now I get to work with the nation's largest women's public policy organization mm -hmm. in the country. Which you would never have imagined. Right. I'm no kidding. Right. You wouldn't have sat there and gone, okay, now this is what I'm going to do. I could have yeah. never guessed. Well, just like you, neither one of you. It, it wouldn't be like, amazing. this is where I'm going to be. <laughs> no kidding. 
And here I am with so. my little office in Washington, D.C., as opposed to Brentwood, Tennessee. And But God works it all out, and it's just been amazing to um, both of us get to do work that we feel like matters when you look at life through your hundred-year glasses. You know, like, mm -hmm. this matters in light of eternity. And I think it does. Well, so put your feet in one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Definitely don't let your situation define whether or not you can do something. And uh, and be patient. And be patient. Be patient. I mean, God's got something. I mean, we're, we all have gifts. We all have gifts. Mm. And it takes a while to develop them to the point where you can share those gifts. In it. Yeah, it's it's there's a, I can't remember who the guy that said it. I'll have to put the quote up there, but he says, we all have gifts. Some people just don't open the packages. Mm. So anyway, all right. So today, as you go out, please just stop for a minute and say something encouraging and kind and uplifting to the person walking alongside you, because it is true. We're all there and walking alongside, not against. So thank you for saying something yeah. with us today. Enjoy. <laughs> okay. This has been fun. <laughs> fun. <laughs>